Ah, spring, when a young man's fancy turns to thoughts of love, then it immediately turns to thoughts of cat videos, then links to whatever horrible thing politicians are doing, then Nazis, then movie hype, then more cat videos, and finally, porn. Because the internet has demolished our attention span. Welcome to Destroy All Clickbait. I'm Adam. With me, as always, is Ing. Uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> well, you're here. You're recording a podcast. Oh. Didn't you know? Yes. But, yeah, if it, because the internet destroyed our attention. It was part uh, of the bit, yeah. and now I'm trying to lean into it by over-explaining it, including yes. this bit of over-explaining the joke in hopes of triggering anti-humor and getting some sort of sympathy or cringe reaction of laughter <laughs> in response to the original joke not going well, because this is all I have left. Sorry, what were you saying? I didn't hear. <laughs> I didn't hear what you were saying. Um... Yes. So uh, with us today, we have uh, a couple of guests. Uh, one of our uh, one of our uh, guests is Philby. Uh, guests is Philby. Known online as Philby Pot. Philby Pot. Thank you for coming, Philby. Thank you for coming. And the other one. The other one. Well, we're glad to have you. And uh, with us is Cell as well. Hello, Cell. Hey. Hello. So we've got uh, a a real roundtable going uh, this week, and. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. So we've got uh, a big one to talk about, uh, but <laughs> is there uh, is there one random one here you guys uh, would like to focus on at all, or um, um, before we do the big one that we're all gonna that we're definitely gonna talk about? I am fascinated by this cheese on baby trend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll do this. So this is an article from the New York Post. Uh, and for once, I, I sort of saw this, and I feel like nobody else saw it, because usually we find these and, like, three or four people have linked to them already on social media. But this is an article from the New York Post called uh, by Christian Gullian. Oh, that called... bastion of uh, trustworthy journalism. <laughs> well, it's the New York Post, so it's got a fairly high reputation, as we all know. Um, and it's called Why People Are Throwing Cheese at Babies. Because they're uh, jerks. Because it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Because well, I guess it... we can't throw snack foods at our pets anymore because that started upsetting people and somehow it's better if you're throwing cheese at your baby's face. I don't know. I well, think we should throw cheese at more things. Guys, maybe it's time we all just stopped, linked arms, and gave cheese a chance. Yeah. That's all we're saying. But not craft singles. Give cheese a chance. No. Yes. Oh, but well, that is. Oh, from the video, they appear to be craft singles. So these people are burning in hell. Like, <laughs> wait, child is that services worse? should be taking that kid away. Yeah. Wait, is so, is that better to throw poor, poor quality cheese at the infant, or is it worse? No, I I, I think if you're gonna out. do it, it should be a high quality there. Like, get your gouda or your gourmet goat cheese. As a yeah. former professional cheese merchant, I can... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm... No, ser I did seriously used to sell cheese. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Yes. I am the best you. at scheduling guest hosts! <laughs> <laughs> yes. So... As a cheese, as a cheese uh, merchant service industry worker, a cheese merchant, yes. As uh, a literal cheesemonger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a 
cheesemonger. <laughs> we can actually say that. Yes. We got a chance to use the cheesemonger in a conversation. Oh, my day went from shitty to wonderful. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, I, I can uh, check off another box of my bingo chart that I only <laughs> just invented. <laughs> my SAT term bingo chart. Did anyone else have that as a, I guess, tween going into... Take like the uh, prepping for the SATs where you had like the word a day slash bingo chart for words to use. Right. I, I have blocked the SATs from my memory, so I really couldn't say. Yeah, that's probably true. The SATs are wild. We don't have them here in Canada. So um, <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the consensus. Yeah. But I, I know it, it determines your entire destiny based on one taste test you take at the end of high school. And that's that what they tell you. Yeah, but anyway, anyway so do the, you have any cheese at all? Yeah, do you? What are your thoughts on this cheese? So you were going to tell us your thoughts on on the flinging of cheese. Uh, yes, uh, to begin with, craft singles don't even count as cheese. Like literally, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. In the United Kingdom, they can't even be marketed as cheese. They are. <laughs> they are marketed as processed cheese. Processed dairy product. Okay. I'm yeah. So oh my god, Kraft Singles are the Fox News of cheese. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Cannot legally be recognized as such in England. So it's like how mayonnaise is uh, whipped topping. Of, or no, uh, whipped, sorry, Miracle Whip is whipped topping. Yeah. Mayonnaise in some cases is, you know, egg sauce or whatever they call it. Yeah. <laughs> So craft singles are non-cheese products. So why are they not cheese, by the way? What what is what are they lacking that makes them not technically cheese? Okay, so um American cheese, uh as it is mm -hmm. called in the United States, uh sold as uh you know, as singles in other countries, is uh heavily processed. I don't say that as a bad thing. I like American cheese, but um it, you take a variety of other cheeses uh, in the United States. It's typically cheddar and either Monterey Jack or Colby. You grind them up, uh, mix them together with um, either cream or dairy solids, salt, preservatives, and an emulsifier, and then let that settle until it becomes solid again, and that's American cheese. Okay. Yeah. Well, wow. all right. By the way, See, my, that sounds like... My favorite request uh, from a customer w was, uh, I want American cheese, not processed. <laughs> it's like, lady, I, you know, I try to tell them, by definition, American cheese is processed, but they don't want to hear about it. So did you just give them a mild cheddar? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I let her believe that her Land O'Lakes was not processed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when my wife worked for a deli, her favorite order there was, I need 10 pounds of roast beef thinly sliced. Oh god, working oh, in a deli has put me off of roast beef my entire life. <laughs> presumably because he needed to build a ch Presumably because this man needed to build a meat suit, a la Buffalo Bill. Oh He maybe was, he was, was um maybe he was trying to recreate Lady Gaga's dress. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I will say this for craft singles: they do fly through the air very nicely. Uh, yeah, they're very they aerodynamic. Do seem rather aerodynamic, yeah. Yes. 
your your more traditional cheeses they have more rough texture, so they're not going to get the uh, the the airtime that you need to uh, fling at your top. I have to ask, do we think craft singles are of the proper consistency that they could be folded into paper airplane shapes? <laughs> oh my god! And if not, what cheese would? I was just thinking that maybe craft singles might work for ultimate frisbee. I don't know. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, just well, stick well, it well, in well, the freezer. I think. Can I think... this be the new like viral challenge? Making paper airplanes out of cheeses. <laughs> Can you take of... the craft singles Concord challenge? That's. And you know that's see that is challenging because you have to get one that's uh, consistent enough. Because I think American cheese would fall apart when you fold it, right? It would just crease and. And, and split in two, in my experience with American cheese. Whereas, you're saying provolone, but in my experience, that's probably a little too stiff to fold properly, unless you got a really, I don't know, really thin sheet of it. It so, needs stiff, to be both but foldable, but stiff, stiff but it so apart. it doesn't fall apart. Right. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I would, can I make a proposition? Uh, thinly sliced Havarti. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. That there is my favorite cheese, by the way. I just want to throw oh, it out there. Oh wait, actually, an alpine lace might be capable. Uh, of well, alpine that. lace is alpine lace is actually just uh, Land Lakes brand Swiss. Ah, yeah. okay. So yeah, Swiss. Oh, yeah. I have been cheese schooled. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it's like Swiss without the holes. Or am I thinking of a different cheese? Um. Well, that any Swiss uh, can be without. It's gonna holes, have holes. Blind. Okay, yeah. Uh, Alpine lace, the Land Lakes brand, the way they make it, it, it does generally come out with fewer holes. Yeah. I now with Swiss cheese. What is it about Swiss cheese that gives it holes? By the way. I don't know. Oh, I know this <laughs> one. Okay, now we go to Ing. Who knows uh, more? The Some cheesemonger you are. The anyway, culture for Swiss cheese. The holes are produced from uh, bubbles of, I believe, uh, carbon dioxide that yeah. the culture produces. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, why is that only in Swiss cheese, though, and not in other kinds of cheese? Well, it's not only in Swiss cheese. I mean, you might see, like, small eyes like that in your cheddar, your... Uh, your Havarti, for example. It's just that Swiss has such a, as an unusually high concentration of them. Interesting. And I think you can, with stirring or that, reduce the bubbles, but I think it's also the look to get the nice holiness with Swiss cheese now. I think it's part of it. Yeah. But yeah. at this point, I, I, ventured, I ventured out of my lane and am speculating. Yeah. Well, I have a Swiss cheese uh, factoid that I enjoy. Which oh, was, thank uh, God, because I thought that sentence was going to end with fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that's a different podcast. The cheese fetish. That's, the, that's what they're reading in Preacher in that one scene. Anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, the, um, no it, during, I believe, World War One. Uh, there were places where they were, yeah, in America, they loved Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese was getting really popular. Um, but because of World War One, they couldn't get it from Switzerland anymore. They couldn't get Swiss cheese. And so they had, to, so they created an object called a cheese holer, which would basically bore holes in uh, cheese to make it seem like Swiss cheese, apparently. I believe it. Wow. Yeah, and it was it was a briefly popular uh, object that people were purchasing. And I, I mean... 
I don't know how they'd replicate the actual taste of Swiss cheese, but... Uh, it, it actually depends on uh, the... I'm sorry, I, I'm getting boringly technical here. No, no, but, no, uh, this is this is great. We are learning about cheese on this show, <laughs> damn it. But uh, uh, it's actually... Swiss is a style of cheese, uh, like uh-huh. Swiss style. Uh, when we talk about like Swiss cheese from Switzerland, that's usually, I believe, specifically Emmentaler. But okay. it also includes um, Jarlsberg from Norway. Uh, Alpine Lace is uh, actually from, uh, you know, Land O'Lakes. I believe it's produced in Wisconsin. Um, my particular favorite, by the way, is Kerrygold from Ireland. Uh, just if, if you can get it, get your hands on it, it is excellent. They make the most wonderful cheddar cheese as well. Um, wow. I'd say the 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 one we that that sold best was probably Finlandia. Uh, three guesses where that came from. <laughs> Thailand. No. Really. Uh, but yeah. Um, go. Yeah, Swiss cheese is a style of cheese. Uh, it it, it huh. isn't specific. It doesn't have to be specifically from Switzerland. Oh, Although, see, I would have thought it had to come from the Champagne region of France. No, wait, <laughs> differently. Uh, it's again, okay. We can have, like, fraudulent cheese. It's okay. You yeah. can just call it Swiss <laughs> if it has holes. It doesn't matter if it's fake. Yeah, okay. well, the Cheese Inspection <laughs> Bureau has really, uh, they've, they've, their budget cuts have gone downhill, so, you know, oh, they can't yeah. they can't afford to go around inspecting cheese, so again, there's a lot of counterfeit cheese out there. Again, Europe has very strict uh, rules about... Uh, well, no, really. <laughs> they do. Yeah, about, you know, food goods, <laughs> and that... Uh, I'm sorry, I heard the term counterfeit cheese, and I'm just imagining, <laughs> like... Like law and order, like iced tea holding a slice of provolone <laughs> up to the light and going, it's not watermarked. This is counterfeit. <laughs> no, 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 no. David Caruso. He goes, Jesus, the feds. And he puts <laughs> Actually, even here in the United States, uh, you can't sell it as Parmigiano Reggiano unless it has a specially stamped brand uh, that uh-huh. can only be manufactured in the Parma or uh, Reggiano, whatever region of Italy. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that's the one they're really particular about. Then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Parmesan. Parmesan is the king of cheeses. Uh, is it really? Is that Real Parmesan. Like in again in England, you, the 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 stuff we buy like from Kraft cannot be marketed as Parmesan. Uh, it's marketed as Parmelito. Parmelito. Yes. <laughs> it's a little bit of Parm. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. uh, a little bit of uh, plastic celluloids for uh, texture. Mm. Mm. Yeah, my celluloids. Anyway, yeah. um, onto the story we're supposed to be talking about. From <laughs> who cares about that at this point? Anyway, go from on. the New yeah. York Post by Christine Golian. Christian Golian. Wow, I was way off. Long story short, there is a Twitter trend where people hurl cheese at their infants. Apparently, mm-hmm. started by from a Vine esque story. Uh, God damn it, I can't talk to it. I started from a Vine-esque video where somebody said, like, cheese to their kid and then threw cheese at them. Like, that was the thing. It was like, oh, say cheese, cheese. Or just like... No, well, that, that there's, that's about it. See, there's yeah, nothing more to it. Yeah, that's kind of it. I, I, and the thing that's baffling to me about this is that the babies 
they don't really understand the context of say cheese anyway. They're not going to appreciate the levels to this humor. <laughs> it's just an adult. I mean, they're also not going to appreciate having something thrown at them. Exactly. Yeah. Like this, this seems odd to be concerned about, but it's like, don't throw cheese at your infant. This is needlessly yeah. stressful for them. Consider you yeah. could be grating Parmesan over them instead and saying, <laughs> when. Oh, God. Mm, so, you can do that. People can do that to me anytime. Just the, the, the grating Parmesan on the child, like you're, they're an Italian dish you're preparing. <laughs> Just reminded me last night out of nowhere, our microwave on the display screen started flashing the word child. And you don't know why. Yes, I saw the picture that you put up. Yeah, yeah I took a picture of it to prove that, but my wife and I were just going, I. This is this not is a not good not omen. omen. <laughs> no, generally speaking, that's not a good sign. Is it? Is it like patronizing to us? Is it? Is this a boomer microwave? Is it demanding? It demanding a child. Is this like uh, a sponsored by Quasin Art version of Little Shop of Horrors? Possibly. <laughs> I'm so, I, I'm flashing back to that scene in Gremlins. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> child. Well, it's almost it's almost as good as those dolls that are supposed to sing and say things in, in harmony. But the one that broke and it just says skin, skin. Yes, Sal. Skin. Um, there's an inside joke amongst our friends because while we were driving around New Jersey, we found a store that was just titled Skin. Okay. So and, right. and it has to be read and it has to be read in the following voice. Skin. <laughs> I'm gonna die. Every time I hear it, I feel like I'm gonna die. Well that it's hard fair. to describe the font used for that sign. But that's the audio translation of it. <laughs> that's the that's my interpretation of it in, in yeah. vocal form. Skin. Skin. <laughs> oh no. But yeah, don't throw things at your baby. No. I feel like this should be something we don't need to explain yeah. or to clarify. But for some reason, social media has a lobotomizing effect and people are like, yeah, I'll hur hurl dairy at my baby. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's be honest though, this is the Daily Mail, they're probably exaggerating it way out of proportion. Like, Yeah, yeah this is the New York Post, they have three examples. Right. Uh, from that challenge, do we want to transition to the last one I put their internet challenge that never existed? Oh, okay. yes, I oh, read about that earlier. Yes. Yes, I yeah, should have so been, yeah. I don't actually have an exact story from it, just a bunch of them, but the Momo Challenge. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. This is, like, classic, like, 80s-style moral panic. Yeah, Yeah, which is why I had to put it there, because it's like, oh, we haven't gotten a classic one of these in a while. This is, like, an actual full-blown urban legend, like... Mm. 
uh, car door. <laughs> yeah. So there is a sculpture attributed under the title Momo, but I d- do not believe that's the actual name of it. It's actually named Mother Bird. Yes, Mother Bird, which is uh, a trans—it's a translation of its name in Japanese because it's an interp—it's a sculptor's interpretation of a yokai. Yeah, I okay. In the yeah, Mother Bird in the mythology would be. Uh, you'd be walking around like a country road and there would be like an old lady carrying an infant who was clearly struggling and she'd ask you if you could hold the baby for one minute and when you hold it she disappears and the more you hold the baby the heavier heavier it gets until you realize it's like a bunch of rocks yeah the that uh... has nothing to do with the actual momo no. challenge uh, which is the sculptor I believe yeah. works for a Japanese special effects company, which is Yes, it's part of an installation from that company of uh various bunch of their effects influenced by Japanese horror and folklore. It's actually not even the weirdest one there. If you you've probably seen it because it's been circulated around, it is a basically a chicken with kind of a woman's head. Yeah, right. the bird lady with the creepy grin and the big eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Creepy? She looks so cheerful and friendly. <laughs> How can you say that? I'm sorry. She just want... She's a very helpful, friendly person. But she no, just... it 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 came up earlier when I was I was talking to Sal about this, like from actual fans of like Japanese horror getting very hipsterate about it. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, Momo looks disturbing to you. Trust me, Momo is fairly quaint. If anything, Momo is one of the cuter ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She looks like Froppy from My Hero Academia. Right. Exactly. That's why she's cute and friendly. Yeah. Why would anybody be afraid? Well, if you're a very norm type of person, I guess, if you're a normie. If you're the uh, kind of person who reads the Daily uh, Post. Yes. yes. Well, so, to be fair, this isn't the the New York Post, but yes. Right. <laughs> uh, but yes, the people who would, yeah, go it's on. It's been ahead. everywhere, but so this sculpture actually has started a bunch of intentional creepypastas and ghost stories around it. The one I listened to was it allegedly of a like, internet phone number where you could supposedly call and talk to the real Momo. And that was a thing a while ago, but it appears that the urban myth has permutated, and now the idea is that there is some YouTube videos by Momo, I suppose, giving a series of challenges for children to do that include violent attacks and suicide and generally just things that could hurt them and that would be like very frightening and something parents should be concerned about except this is perhaps the one time that we report oh youtube's done, doing something sketchy with children and this is actually false <laughs> I, feel like, um, I feel like this is an outgrowth of that whole tide pod challenge thing that yeah, yeah. Hmm. well not an outgrowth but just the tendency of people to believe that my kids are gonna do stupid things yeah my favorite thing about the the tide pod thing is how it then became things that they would slur millennials with oh you guys are too busy eating tide pods to understand the complexities of of the politics and so it's like, like, like looking, i'm 32 
<laughs> yes. Well, there's that, of course, too. I'm not but, eating Tide Pods. I had to pay for those. Those are expensive. Exactly. I use like, money that I got at my job. Precisely. Right. And why would you eat something that looks like candy but is a Tide Pod, but you could get candy that looks like a Tide Pod instead? <laughs> That's something they've done now. That exists. But the hoax apparently really kicked upstream when the police service of Northern Ireland posted a warning about it, which eventually resulted via Facebook and then Instagram of Kim Kardashian pleading for YouTube to remove the videos, which, again, do not actually exist. Thanks, Kim. She's doing her best. No, she's she got her heart in the right place, I guess. <laughs> but uh, and people, I guess, are people are afraid to watch this because if you watch it seven days later, you die. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, this um, is YouTube. If you watch it, you'll get a bunch of neo Nazis in your recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is so. Oh, so yeah, the Wikipedia on it comments that it started as like an urban legend to try to get people to call a Momo on WhatsApp messages and then convince people to contact a number through their cell phone. Apparent, uh, which is the one that I heard the creepypasta horror story from that supposedly uh, if you call the Momo cell number and talk to her, she will speak in Spanish and text you pictures of what appears to be your loved ones brutally murdered. Uh, wow. Okay. okay. And they think this is real still at this point? No, that was the pre version. So I don't know how it then permutated into that Momo is putting up a bunch of challenge videos on YouTube, which again, it's hard to track down where any of that came from because. There's no actual videos on it, nor any basis of it. Mm. You know, I think one, like, teenage edgelord probably, like, sent someone a text saying that, and it just kind of spiraled out from there. Well, I mean, yeah. you said there were creepypastas about it, so that probably... Yeah. Somebody wrote a creepypasta about it, and somebody started taking it seriously as a news article or something like that, right? I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, actually, with creepypastas. Yeah. <laughs> they aren't circulated as... as like that Onion articles get okay, circulated so, real news. According to Snopes, they think that the start of this may have been the product of bullies and pranksters latching onto a handy mechanism to goad and torment victims. Mm. Which, so there might have been some cyberbullying that was peripherally attached to the Motherbird sculpture or the Momo myth somehow, and then this blew out of proportion. Right. Well, it's also, I can't help but notice there's the similarity famous Dungeons & Dragons panic of the 80s, which was yeah. the idea that if you played Dungeons & Dragons too much, you would get carried away and it would force you to commit suicide yeah. and do black magic rituals and everything. It it almost seems to track too well onto that. Yeah, <laughs> it's also whole... apparently a... Uh, mutation of a 2016 hoax called the blue whale challenge that pretty much was the same thing a bunch of challenges that would lead to violence or self-harm yeah like starting bad. starting really innocuously and then ending in suicide right and and blue whales, whales. yeah <laughs> uh, well 
this was a ru- this was a predominantly Russian hoax. Okay. So I don't know what the blue whale thing does. One thing that immediately draws to mind there is that it is remnant of an actual quote unquote challenge that appeared in the internet series Everyman Hybrid, in which, which is a, a ARG or a alternate reality game where pretty much the fiction invites the viewers to participate in it. Yeah, it was one of the origins of the whole Slenderman mythos. Right, right. It's it is a Slenderman one and one of the creatures in that a uh possessing demon called Habit did a series of challenges yeah, that, that yeah, that were in context supposed to be uh mirroring the steps of inoculation for a cult there and that w- and obviously they never got to anything that was actually harmful because it was a game, but that seems to be that's similar enough of a yeah. fiction that I have to think that that's got to be partially where these hoaxes come from. Yeah. Well, there was also the whole, uh, you know, what was it? The ice bucket challenge a few years right, ago. I was going to say, does Momo do the ice bucket challenge? Listen, that was helping ALS, so it's fine. Yeah, Momo yeah. Just, has donated, just Momo has donated $5,000 for ALS. That is now forwarding the challenge to Slenderman and the Rake, encouraging them to do the same. <laughs> yeah, Momo sure, is very helpful for charity. Why do people not like Momo? Slenderman uh, then forwarded the challenge to Candyman and Yeah, right. <laughs> and whoever and is the bad guy is an hand man. Gordon Someone forwarded to Bloody Mary, she stopped being bloody for a while. <laughs> yeah. The king in yellow got in on it. <laughs> yeah, the king in yellow. <laughs> and then reality ended, so that was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm, like just, good... I'm laughing at our own cleverness. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. someone probably, tra- you know, someone was in the middle of forwarding it to Candle Jack, but then suddenly they just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need more rope. <laughs> I don't. That's a cartoon that's probably. For as short as it was, to like the most density of influence on me. Yeah. <laughs> Wish yeah everyone's. Yeah, I'm catching up on that. This is uh, Freakazoid for people who are. Yeah. Which I only recently discovered or watched. But yes, it's. So it's Freakazoid had one episode that was about the uh, in universe. Basically, their version of Slenderman. It was before Slenderman, but it was their urban legend boogeyman, which was a ghost called Candlejack that would show up and kidnap people if they said his name. Right. And it became just the running gag in that episode that for some reason everyone immediately said his name. Right. (laughs) As people, including when he's like leading his victims past, uh, like a summer camp cabin and everyone starts pointing at him and screaming in terror his name and then he just looks straight at the camera I'm gonna need more rope (laughs) (laughs) what are you going to do with us I'm not quite sure I've never gotten so many at once before (laughs) (laughs) 
No, you excuse me. I have to go charter a bus. <laughs> Should I the whole show? Yeah. yeah, that show was interesting because the, the designs, it was apparently meant to be a more serious show initially, uh, and the designs are Bruce Tim designs, yes. so they've got that dark, that Batman the Animated Series look to them, but then it's a completely off the wall, it's basically Animaniacs yeah. in terms of tone, <laughs> so that made Candlejack pretty effective because he actually was kind of creepy. Yeah, it's a legitimately good design, and then yeah. it's just yeah. all the absurdity. Yeah. Right. You almost, almost a better scarecrow than the one they had for the yeah. animated series for Honestly, a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. First season, anyway. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but I digest. <laughs> yes. Do you digest some cheese? Um, uh, okay. Well, let's... likely not. <laughs> ah, are you lactose intolerant? Probably statistically. <laughs> what? Yes, I am. I am. Okay, fair well, so am I, but that doesn't stop me from eating it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to try delicious dairy. It's like I'm going to coax Ing into eating dairy. We already had a whole segment on cheese. So it's fine. He can have Kraft. He can have Kraft single. <laughs> right, because that's not cheese. Exactly. It's okay, so we have two stories that are related to racism and one about underpants. Uh, oh, boy. God. Well, Which okay, ones under, do we want to cover first? Underpants is very quick, so we'll just mention it quickly. Uh, it's uh, Dave Futrell who does some, he's one of these guys who does some good work uh, exposing, so it's not really clickbait in that sense. Uh, he's, he exposes, you know, the MRA and the, the, the alt-right types. Yeah, he has and, a blog, We Hunted the Mammoth, which yeah. kind of cover reports back what's the news from the... MRA and the incel internet thing if people want to keep up on that or if you want to yeah it's a manosphere thank you or <laughs> as I think a lot of the people who read it use it if you want a digital sideshow to go point at the freaks and not feel bad that you're laughing at someone with a physical deformity that they can't help <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a good description of it in a lot of internet yeah. uh stuff like it. It's like a freak show only rather than physical deformities, you're laughing at moral deformities. <laughs> God. Sounds legit. I would watch that. I would agree. So this is this is uh, what they've what he's uncovered in this one article is somebody on the incel forum, because of course this is the forum where all the incels convocate, saying only cucks, which is what they say about everyone who they disagree with, only cucks wear underwear. Restricting your dick and pulses for cucks. So only a cuck would wear underwear. I'm I don't sorry, I'm, re I'm, I'm reading the screenshot from the actual forum. Yes. And it literally is, restricting your dick and balls is for cucks. So, comma, only a cuck would wear underwear. That's probably why Africans have well, big dicks. Yeah. They don't have underwear restricting the growth of their penis. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I don't know where to start this. <laughs> They probably think commandos have giant dick and balls, too, because of the phrase, going commando. Commando, yeah, exactly. There's a joke here about Michael Richards somewhere. I'm out there, Jerry, and I'm loving every minute of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it gets only cocks wear underwear. Kramer is definitely... Oh, the, God! The, there's uh, a Twitter thing of uh, modern Seinfeld that... <laughs> 
gives yeah. uh, fake episode synopsis for Seinfeld if it were still running today, and Kramer yeah. becomes an incel seems like it would be a very good one. Yeah. No, wait. Kramer would be Volcel because we know he can get women in the show. So he he becomes voluntarily celibate. Kramer becomes a man going their own way. George becomes George starts identifying with the incel movement. Yeah. That seems right. Oh no, I can see it happening. Oh no. George would be into QAnon, I think. He'd get into that. Oh god. <laughs> No, 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 no. George is the incel. Uh, Newman isn't a QAnon. Yo, you're right. Oh, God, yeah. He's definitely QAnon. Yeah, he's definitely... When you control the mail, you control information. (laughs) All right, but who's the flat earther? Elaine. Elaine. Uh, Welcome to uh, this episode of Destroy Our Clickbait, where we just quote our favorite shows from the 90s. (laughs) That's all it is at this point. <laughs> well, I gotta say, the, the, this is one of these things, speaking of clickbait, um, the article that we're quoting here, the guy who's saying it, I, and you never know with these people, I do feel like this might be a guy who's saying it for attention, you know what I mean? Like, Well, that's part of the thing. They say so many out like batshit stuff because this is a very insular community and there's few people coming in uh, telling them hey what you just said was absolutely bug fuck madness pose law man <laughs> yeah that it becomes hard to tell and then that just echoes back and forth resonating right. with itself that it becomes hard to, like impossible to tell what is an intentional thing and what might be somebody going in there and intentionally planting a thing right. to see if it picks up. And and I mean, it's almost... It, my thing with these guys is always, you know, the, the gif of, uh, hey, congratulations, you played yourself. Because these guys, I feel like... with You mentioned Flat Earthers. When With Flat Earth, that almost became... That was almost like an edgelord gag online where they were denying, oh yeah, the Earth is actually really flat. As like a joke. And I honestly don't believe anyone... As a way to troll people by being needlessly argumentative, basically. Right. Exactly. But then it it sort of... It took off and became its own thing and they had to double down on it and it became like just a a thing where you couldn't... (laughs) You couldn't step back from it. And, And they still don't... I mean, I think a lot of them don't really believe it, but deep down, but they've, because of the, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, po- co- continual reinforcement, <laughs> it becomes, a th- you know, it, you like to talk about this thing about how virtue signaling is a thing, right? People, yeah. And it's, it's that, except it's crazy signaling, or <laughs> we're, we're part of our little insular group signaling, you know, so we can say this and nobody will laugh at us kind of thing. And uh, clarify what I've said is that uh, you will... Virtue signaling is actually a uh, value-free description of a series of behaviors that will appear in any community. Right. And indeed in any society. Right. Yeah, it shows you're part of the group. But in this case, because they're edgelording... They uh, the in group is to say you know that creates their own insular jokes, which are insane, and they kind of know it at first, but then it becomes. You know, I'm part of the group because look at this crazy stuff I'm saying, basically. Denying <laughs> around Earth to own the libs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. 
in one of the most innocuous senses, stuff like a handshake is a virtue signaling thing because it is a society recognized greeting there. And by exchanging it, it subconsciously transfers the idea of stranger into somebody that is part of your culture. Right. Yeah. Which is usually a good thing, but in this case, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Well, that's why I said it's value neutral because it could also be people excessively doing that to carry favor or to do, um, in some cases, what is called um, not identity fraud. What is it called? Community fraud. But basically, it's the thing where you are able to consolidate power and usually for, in the case of this, uh, less scrupulous means such as uh, conning or exploiting somebody. Like and you enable, scheme? yeah, a very, it's part of the confidence scheme thing or a scam, but it is largely enabled by very firmly inoculating yourself into a community there so that you're one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know in Utah, confidence men, uh, integrating themselves into, uh, local, uh, LDS churches and communities, and that is an issue. I know that that, that was a really big thing with like fandom on Live Journal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spear Hefuck42 on the chat says a less loaded term might be shibboleth. Did I say that right? I don't know. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's one that. of the old ones, I believe, from Lovecraft's mythology. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, a, a shibboleth is a, uh, a a phrase or an action or any other like thing that marks you as a member of a group. Yeah, uh, shibboleth definitely would be like a subcategory of that. But the virtue signaling, like I said, could be more general there. Mm. Yeah, I don't know precisely <clears throat> the term for what you're saying, but I do understand what you're saying. Right. Yeah. It's it's a it's a secret handshake basically. Might be Well, not yeah. not only just a secret handshake, but it could even be just the thing like if there's a horrible news story, people giving the expression, "Oh, that's horrible." That yeah. doesn't mean it's not genuine, but that, that can be a virtue right. signaling there, and that does affective. Yeah, yeah, but that that's like a loaded term but that not I'm trying to as a negative. Right. 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 I'm trying to say that in some sense it comes up, and it's just part of being a group of people. Right. Yeah. And like many things, it could be negative or positive. Right. Well. Okay, uh, so what? Uh, what? Well, let's move on to the next thing. Wear um, underpants, people. Yes. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, please. Indeed. Um, do we want to talk about? Well, let's. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the neo-Nazi group whose new leader uh, gets a new leader. Oh boy. <laughs> um, uh, I still don't understand how this happened, but I guess. This is just where we are at right now. Yeah, I feel this is a story that needs to start with a record scratch and the <laughs> guy turning and says, you're probably wondering how I wound up in this situation. <laughs> yeah. 
And then because Spike by Associated Press reports, one of the nation's largest neo-Nazi groups has an unlikely new leader, a black activist who has vowed to dismantle it. Sounds like someone decided to take black Klansmen and just do that in real life again. Right. And amazingly, it appeared to have worked. Yep. Well, this guy's apparently been doing something along these lines for a while. Uh, so, it, like, even before the movie came out, uh, he's he's he tends to sort of legally maneuver his way around, uh, you know, neo-Nazi groups, basically. <laughs> and I think it's a case of... They can't say for sure exactly what happened. Uh, it was sort of preliminary, because, like, they're getting it from court documents, so they're not 100% clear on what the process was. But it, it, it's, it seems like it's one of these situations where he, like, he bought up all their debt and bought their legal you know, rights to use the name kind of thing. Yeah, from my understanding of the article is not that, oh, this guy, uh, this African-American man is actually, like, leading their rallies and trying to change them that way, but just that he, you know, legally took control of them somehow and uh, dismantled it from behind the scenes, like... Right, or is going to, because there was this big schism within the group where, as as always seems to happen with these guys, they're, they end up screaming at each other over some stupid thing. And, well, I mean, uh, like, we on the left are one to talk. I mean, <laughs> well, well, fair enough, I guess, but... <laughs> but in this case, it was literally, it was an organization with people involved, and it was like, you slept with my girlfriend kind of stuff that they were screaming at each other about. As happened, who was the, that was the, another the neo-Nazi group where it was, uh, like, it, it, they, there was a huge falling out because someone slept with the other one's, uh, wife, and then their they tried to sleep with the mother-in-law. Anyway, there was a, it turned into this insane potboiler soap opera thing going on. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Yeah, it, yes. it was the white trashest thing, but that's not what we're talking about here. No. But yes, it does appear to be basically due to a schism over the old guard led by Mar Matthew Heimbeck. Yeah. And the... Former leader identified uh, as Jeff Shope, I believe I'm pronouncing it right, where Shope wanted to effectively change to ideological changes to bring the white supremacist organization into the modern century and make it hip and cool with the kids. <laughs> while Heimbrecht and wanted it to remain a politically impotent white supremacist gang. Yeah, like well, one of them no. wanted to stay a bunch of, like, skinhead, you know, biker jerks, and the other one was more of a, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos type who wanted to make yeah. him, yeah. quote-unquote, outright respectable. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was a case. Scum, but... Well, that's just yeah. not going to happen. I'm sorry, there's nothing respectable about it. No. And while this house, house was divided, divided James, James Hart Stern, Stern came, came in and basically, basically declared that, that, that he could buy, buy and sell, and sell you. you. And you know, I thought at first, I thought at first this was like essentially one of those he rolled a natural twenty on charisma. Yeah. <laughs> I never actually met a black person before, but then suddenly this guy came in. I was like, "Oh, I was all wrong. I was doing it wrong the whole time." I've only, <laughs> I've only attended the meetings via Skype and phone call, and I've managed to bluff my way through the ranks surprisingly. Long time. 
<laughs> Wasn't this a, Ch- yeah. a Chappelle skit? No, well, Chappelle's was the black white supremacist yeah. who yeah. was a blind black man yes. who was not aware he was black and thus but, was a genuine white supremacist. Yeah. Oh, Is, no. Even, even before that, there was the Mr. Show sketch about how the, the KKK uh, got a black uh, executive outreach director to talk about how <laughs> they weren't like that anymore. That was another good. And it was and they, they, they launched an ad campaign that was like the new KKK and they were romping through the. OK, <laughs> no. that's funny. But that is also what the KKK attempted to do in the 90s and yeah. early 2000s, yeah. minus well, that- the actual ad campaign part. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I remember that. They started saying, yes, we appointed a black Grand Wizard. See, we're not racist anymore, you know? Yeah. Not Grand Wizard. Whatever the low follow, the low ranking thing is, but yeah. I don't know. They all, it, it's yeah. some observation that the clan really is um, LARPing for ultra-racist Yeah, yeah. Yes. every title sounds like an obscure prestige class and for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. like, like your dragon. Uh, I have the prerequisites. My next level can be in Grand Dragon. <laughs> yep. High wizard. High wizard dragon. And, <laughs> yep. It's and yeah, it's all it's from the era because it well, I guess it doesn't go back that far. It's but it, you know, it's it was the era when you know, rich there are some more benign examples of this as well, but you know, like the Freemasons, where you know, if you had a secret club, you'd add all this mysticism to it to be like, Ooh, yeah. we have secret rituals, Ooh. you know, and it's the really dumbass version of that, basically. I, I have to say that. You know, the Masons thing is so secret, I didn't realize until after my grandfather died that he was, in fact, a Mason. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Uh, also, I, thought you were go- I thought you were going to go with the Masonry is so secret, I did not realize I was a Mason. <laughs> I can't, though. I can't, though, because I'm a woman and yeah. they don't allow that. Yeah. But, like... Spear Havoc 42 here is asking us if we've ever heard of the Golden Wine. The Eddie Murphy movie? I only know about the Golden Girls. That was the Golden Boy. Oh, God! That Swedish Nazi prick. Oh, God. The Golden... Let's see. Doing a Berserk as I get... One, a credit union. And two, a musical artist. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, God! No, yes, I've heard this. This is a white supremacist musician that effectively LARPs like he's doing, like he's modeling for a 70s fantasy painting. Yeah, he's this Swedish gamer, Nazi bodybuilder douche who's really into the Lord of the Rings and Warhammer 40,000. Fair Havoc uh, mentions that he's also a a bodybuilder. He's a bodybuilder neo-Nazi on YouTube who's obsessed with fantasy novels. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, ContraPoints did a, vis- a video about him. That's... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, crap! But... I can actually say weird flex, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I I well, feel like uh... it should be hard. I know that it isn't, but at some level, I feel like it should be difficult to be like a neo-Nazi and into Tolkien. Yeah. Because well, considering well, what one... he said about the OG Nazis. Yeah. Right. 
for that. And also, I'm just thinking that it's like uh, there's some notes that I've recalled that Tolkien's like at some things. Oh, yeah. Hobbits are brown skin. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. in one letter, he called Adolf Hitler, and I quote, a ruddy little ignoramus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this is one of those death of the author things, yeah. except yeah. double time because the author is dead also. Yeah. They, well, took, you know, they took Gandalf the White far too literally. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know there's a book. Uh, there's a science fiction book by I want to say it's Norman Spinrad, but I could be wrong. Yes. Uh, called the Iron the Iron Dream. Yeah. Um, and the premise was just basically an alt history where Adolf Hitler uh, became an author instead of going into politics, and he ended up writing what was essentially the equivalent of Lord of the Rings. But it's got that sort of subtextual fascism bubbling beneath it, and it was More just like criticism Conan. of. Was it? I don't know. I, I I got people said it was a hugely popular fantasy novel in this alternate reality. Yeah, basically. it was like Conan <laughs> or you know the Gore books by John Norman. <laughs> God, and it was a criticism of how he saw there was like a you know fascist subtext being below a lot of, in this case, fantasy. But you could say any you know nerdy genre. Yeah, basically. I could <clears throat> see that. Yeah, I like mean, Adam, I think it was on Twitter we had. I think you were part of that discussion where I jokingly said, because it came up to her, the thing was like, boy, Tolkien had a big influence there and muscled out a lot of the stuff that wasn't influenced by Tolkien. And I commented, said, right. I read some of that stuff and it was awful. Yeah, well. <laughs> Either yeah, in I... writing or morally reprehensible. Sure. Well, there's definitely, yeah, there's the, there's. Robert E. Howard himself, who wasn't very like he was a he was a good writer and his stuff was good, but it was very like it, you can see all the worst tendencies coming out libertarianism and and just this and racism like very strong racism in the books uh, the, the original stories. Um, <clears throat> when I said that, to be fair, uh, I meant <clears throat> like there was a whole you know branch. There were tons of writers who we don't even talk about anymore. Like right. uh, on on the other podcast, we're talking about Lord Dunsany. And, there you uh, go. It's, it's to say good episode, by the way. The other podcast, uh, yeah. I have it queued up to listen to when I'm done here. But yeah. I, I jokingly used, for example, it was like, yeah, I read Pierce Anthony and that, and oh, Pierce Anthony's oh. books largely can be summarized with actually, it's euphilia, ephemphilia, oh, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, I, I literally I, every fucking one, yeah. Yeah, and he's been confronted in, about that, and he plays dumb from what I've seen, yeah. Yeah, or in the non-joking form, I literally said one of the less innocuous ones is a story where the main character has sex with both a robot and a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I've never read these books, and why would I ever this point? I mean, for the bad puns. Oh god! Yeah, um, that's right. They always have terrible puns, don't they? Anyway, from what I've seen. Yeah. But yeah, no, the uh, the yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's post Tolkien. I'm I you know I was yeah. talking about the the earlier stuff. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, it's interesting because that was the American fantasy, which was the muscular sword swinging. First of all, uh, first uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and then Robert E. Howard later on, and where it was kind of you know it was all manly sword play and stuff. Whereas the the British was a little bit more um, whimsical and a bit more tied into folklore and stuff like that. So, yeah, anyway. which also is what I feel originally Tolkien was 
going for. Well, you know, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because all of Tolkien's stuff is supposed to be reminiscent of, like, is, like, supposed to be, oh, this is supposed to feel like Irish or Celtic or Norse folklore without actually being it directly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Tolkien's work draws very heavily on Germanic folklore. Uh, like Middle Earth is comes from <clears throat> the Old English Midungard, which yeah. is the same as the Old Norse Midgard. Right. Um, and uh, so, you, I, yeah, honestly, with the whole Germanic thing, I can see how like white supremacists would latch onto it. Right. Yeah. With that's... only a surface reading, <clears throat> without actually understanding <clears throat> about it. Yeah. You're expecting yeah, them to do that. Of course they won't. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one, if uh, maybe. Uh, this Because this is the one we have to talk about. This is the uh, anime. Yeah, discussion. I think it's time for another installment of Adume. <laughs> In which the other hosts explain Adume to Adam. <laughs> We've done several segments of this. I think this may be the first time we officially named it. Uh, yes. Well done, Ing. Good naming convention. Uh, so this is this is one where it's not actually an article, but it is kind of clickbait, and it is by oh, a writer for Bloomberg magazine. Excuse? <laughs> yeah, Noah Smith. Mm -hmm. I don't know who this guy is. Just that I know, but had him from. Blocked. From his biography, he's a he's an opinion writer for Bloomberg, who started a thread on why anime is neoliberal. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anime is a lot of things, but neoliberal. Well, the I'm first sure. and simplest reason is that anime is a global industry bringing people together through shared enjoyment of products they consume. Okay, oh, you can God. say that about Starbucks too, but yeah. like. Uh -huh. Well, Starbucks is neoliberal, but it's the art. <laughs> the industry has helped Japan diversify into services and boosted its exports. That's, oh my God. That's, uh, okay. I don't think that's right. Did he warm up before that stretch? I hope he did. <laughs> Anime often depicts explicitly globalist themes, characters with names and appearances implying they're from all over the world, Themes of international cooperation and peace, etc. Which I have to say, what the fuck are you talking about? Okay, first I of all... I think this guy has had a very narrow view of what anime is, and has not really expanded right. outside and of that. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, I got to point six, which is the best. The most neoliberal anime is probably Cowboy Bebop, which depicts a hardy band of entrepreneurs trying to make it in a fully global lies capitalist future that does not depict globalism or neoliberalism well this is broke and it goes to shady bounty hunting how is that pro that's like well blade runner is ultimately a pro-capitalist movie <laughs> yeah. this reminds me of how every so often you get some right-wing chud saying that star wars is like a capitalist utopia when it has yeah. such wonderful examples of entrepreneurship as newt gunray and jabba the hutt oh yeah that was ah, fuck i forgot who said it it was some billionaire asshole talking about how uh Might have been in their organization they prefer Schultz might have been. I don't. 
how they prefer the uh, capitalist <laughs> society depicted in Star Wars over the communist one of Star Trek. And it's like, Star Trek is Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but Star Wars is a society where inequity is so bad. You both have a robotic workforce and literal slavery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, just because it depicts something doesn't mean it's depicting it positively, obviously. And in fact, Star Trek is rather unusual for science fiction in that it does portray a utopia, and most science fictions are portraying that in via its opposite. Going back to this original thread, uh, to begin with, one of my problems with it is his continued use of the word globalist, uh, which, as I think most people in our social circle know, is kind of a right-wing mm. snarl word. Uh, yeah, it, it's invoked as a as the opposite of nationalism, and is loaded with very heavy anti-Semitic overtones. You know, the mm -hmm. idea of this Jewish cabal trying to control all the world's nations through the United Nations. Uh, I think he has it confused with a different concept, which is globalization, <laughs> which is an entirely right. different thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but he goes on to conflate globalization with multiculturalism. Well, can you blame him? He's only the, a writer for a major financial magazine. Of course, he would make that for Billionaire mistake. Monthly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Monocles are us. They it's don't expect him to know anything of value. It's okay. Yeah. He also, well, in an article where, in a bit where he's also talking about that. Oh, it's it uh, portrays people from. Asia, but increasingly in Africa, and seems to use from, for an example, a character from uh, Samurai Shumplu, who is most definitely not African. Right. Oh, he, I think he's supposed to be Ainu. He's definitely not African. Yeah. Oh, um, he's an indigenous Japanese Mugen. person. Yeah, Mugen. Yeah. He's Ryukyuan. Yeah. And right. in fact, yeah. that his whole character arc is a critique of Japanese imperialism. He is a victim of racism from ethnic Japanese characters in the series itself. Yeah, but I have to point out there that you are using somebody who is not from Africa seemingly as an example of an African yeah. character in anime. Yeah. Right. It's like, Sorry, he's, because where? he's dark-skinned? He's he's ambiguously brown, which of course means he must be African, because that's the only time an ambiguously brown person is ever in anime is when they're black. Right. Yeah. Right? You know you know what's funny? I did just hear apparently that um there was a samurai at like a few uh uh what do you call it? Um a shogun who had a um a black samurai in his entourage, uh, which I assume was he was African originally and was raised in Japan, but I don't know uh, exactly how that happened. I just heard that one factor. Sorry, you know about it, Philby? Uh, I, I I saw the, the the thing about it on Twitter a few days ago. Oh, okay. So we saw the same thing then. Yeah. <laughs> Need so, to look that up anyway. But yes. Just for tearing some of this down, one, it's that <clears throat> it's kind of absurd at the face of it. Anime is effectively just saying like animation it's too broad a thing to have any one ethos right yeah but it, it, it's uh it it, it it's it's it, you, you can't make these broad sweeping generalizations about an entire medium right right or even an entire industry because the people making it don't necessarily agree with the capitalist industry but they want to make art and operate within it yeah mm -hmm. and one example 
Sorry, go on, go on. No, I was going to say, because it uses stuff from Miyazaki there, and Miyazaki is, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, a fairly cranky, if anything, I'd say he's closer to uh, primitivism. Hmm. Yeah. Like, he is not a fan of industrialization and not a fan of capital of capitalism because of that. Right. Yeah. You know, like, definitely not of the unchecked uh, excess and expansion of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see that in basically all of his work. Yeah. yeah. Like, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, they, they even show Nausicaa in this thread. This guy has shown a gif of that. And that entire thing... That entire series is all about how capitalism and industrialism has destroyed the world and made it yes. poisonous yes. to human yeah. beings. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, I, and I, 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 I agree that that that's always been, and I'm the guy who doesn't know a lot of anime, but I've always gotten that impression that it's pretty anti-capitalist if, as you're saying, we can't narrow it down to one single uh, mindset, because it is an entire genre, it's not even a genre, it's a medium, essentially. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, Akira does not seem like, yay, it's, you know, there's that image that goes around uh, the web sometimes, which is a guy with, like, a cool militaristic, you know, space marine outfit, and he's shooting a gun that says, fascism is bad, it's going literally over the head of a guy yeah. who's looking at it going, wow, cool, space marine! Well, you know? I might also add, Akira is a setting where the capitalist government is so corrupt, there is literally a scene of the politicians stuffing money into a briefcase as they try to <laughs> escape by helicopter from the angry crowds outside. Right. Like, it is explicitly a shithole place because of corruption and capitalism. Yeah. One of the problems with, you know, critiques of capitalism is, you know, it's so much part of our society that whenever somebody critiques a capitalist or imperialist or, uh, you know... A, techno dystopia type scenario they can always shift it onto well it's not a critique of capitalism it's a critique of a, a corrupt government that exists but capitalism would be fine neoliberalism would be fine. um i'm interested in because this guy you're talking about globalist and yeah that is a very bad word to be using yeah. but he's <laughs> he he's very much in favor of it though he's using it as a good thing um, you know, he's not, he's not, he's, he's singing the I phrases. I think that of... might be a conscious effort because there is a movement amongst places like Bloomberg and other ones that are trying to drive this to conflate anti-capitalism with anti-Semitism. Mm. Which I'd have to point out inherently relies on stereotypes that are anti-Semitic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, rich people should pay more taxes. Ah, so you hate the Jews. Checkmate, liberals. It's like, <laughs> uh, so, a few assumptions you made there. Yeah. Quite a few jumps. This reflects poorly on one of us, and I don't think it's me. <laughs> right. Went from earning the double jump maneuver to the triple jump. Yeah. Now, one of the what one of the few anime I have seen is, as I said, just I basically just finished watching Cowboy Bebop, and it it is yeah. You think capitalism is uh, portrayed well there? He does apparently somehow. It's a hearty band of entrepreneurs trying to make it in a fully globalized <sighs> entrepreneurs. They're literally mercs, like 
in space and they're broke all the time. Yeah, it's literally like, well, we're going to starve to death any minute now. I'm not even clear on when they ever actually make enough money to continue operating in that show. They don't. They really don't. And like Faye, Faye Valentine is the, like the most massive debt out of the entire group because of medical debts. Yeah, so, it's like come on. Another one they used was Ghost in the Shell, which has had uh, several iterations and interpretations. Yeah. One of the most recent one had the fact established the idea that people who require uh, cybernetic parts for medical reasons are then put into effectively indentured servitude for the government to pay back that medical debt. Ah. Uh. Which is why, which is how the major is put into the unit in that version. Uh, I didn't know that of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I've only <laughs> seen the the, the 1996 movie. Right. Yeah, I've too. seen some of the series. I didn't get to see all of it. I do get the impression that Masamune Shiro does kind of lean towards the right, if if only because of all the you know kind of gun porn in his work. But I don't really know that for sure. Yeah, I don't know if there, you know, there's an there's an association, but I don't know if you could necessarily say, oh, guys, like you know, a guy who likes techno gadgetry and and yeah. even weaponization is necessarily because that's just that is a big part of what I associate with anime. Uh, how about Neon Genesis Evangelioning? How is that? Is that neoliberal or is it? I have no fucking idea. I'm pretty sure it's not, but also, what the hell do I know? Well, what there does was, anybody There was that one fan theory that uh, the leader of Zela, uh, the guy with the visor, was actually the wandering Jew, but that's about <laughs> as, as plausible as any other fan theory yeah. regarding that show. Yeah, I... I I've never seen it, so I can't speak to it. But I know it's just, it's it's it, speaking to what you said, uh, Philby, about just the big um, uh, like it's when you're kind of drooling over giant robots smashing into each other. And again, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's not that way, but you get the definite impression of all the technological doodattery and uh, <laughs> and how cool it is. And I, I was saying this on Twitter. It's like it, there is something weirdly evocative about the fact that there's a supernatural aspect to uh, something like that, where it's like they're fighting the supernatural with giant technological devices that are like horrific, and like it's the military-industrial complex got up, run amok, and they're using it to, they're, it's angels, right? They're fighting angels in the series? Yeah. 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 I not, mean, it's not even literally biblical. They're just, the guy who made the series decided, oh, I'm going to use this stuff because it's cool. Yeah. Right. And it works for my story. That's all that matters. Sure. It's but yeah, but you've got this, just the idea that it's like the military builds gigantic robot horrors to literally fight angels is kind of like, yeah. and yeah. they're the good guy. At, yeah. well, the the military or guys in that that series are definitely not portrayed in a positive light. <laughs> no, fair enough. I think the series is largely like the military complex is bad. Privatized military, especially, is bad. And fuck uh, Gendo in particular. Yeah. <laughs> existentialism is huge in this series. I mean, this the whole thing was a result of Hideaki Anno having a, an extended mental breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we discussed that on an earlier show Just again. Why it got more been. angsty as it went on. But yeah, I don't think there's anything that could coherently say there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah but also the stuff where it says, oh, it, well, for one, a lot of anime actually is limited to Japan. So the comments yeah. of the multiculturalism is a bit strange because actually quite a lot of it is very culturally linked and context there to the point that it's actually difficult to translate for foreign releases in sub time. You know, right. I, another problem I had with this this tweet thread is uh, this uh, this guy saying that like Japanese imperialism is anti-imperialist. Right. Yeah. Exactly. When you know, and using, because it's against the West. Yeah. Or when, when not really, aligned with the West. Yeah. I feel like yeah. imperialism is imperialism no matter where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole uh, Japanese uh, East East Asian Greater Co-Prosperity Sphere, whatever uh, whatever it was called, was very much in imitation of the Western powers. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's 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 him basically like this guy almost writes about it as if he doesn't understand that it's. Well, he understands that it's Japanese, I guess. But then he, in the same breath, he's like, but isn't it so daring of them to portray civilizations that are not white? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's Japanese people. What are you expecting they're going to do? They're going to they're gonna mostly portray Japanese people. Like, yeah, but there are series that portray that, but they're often actually are set in Europe or a Europe equivalent. Right. So it's it's odd to take the full scope uh, various series or arts that have different setting and then try to average them out yeah. into okay. one thing as if that's a message. Okay, right. okay. The thing is, the thing is with anime that Japan has had this long history of being an isolated nation in the first place and they had a long time to get used to the idea of letting anime out into the world and manga out into the world and just like getting it translated into other languages and stuff. So the thing is, when you see other nationalities in their work or other countries in their work, it's more like this is stuff that was inspired by. These are people inspired by. So they're not accurate. They're just kind of the aesthetic. Yeah. You know, yeah. And well, it's just uh, there's no way you can actually call this globalized i think because they're not it's not an informed depiction by yeah, any means. Right. and right. like i said a lot of it is so coach specifically in japanese culture and idiom there which of course it is it's made by japanese that translating it into english is difficult yeah. one of my one of my uh favorite examples of that being difficult and how they solved it was for the dub of sergeant frog which was fortunately already a comedy series. They just made it explicitly more so in the dub and made it a gag that the narrator will basically chastise you and say that, okay, what's about to happen is very funny, but you don't understand Japanese <laughs> enough to get the pun. So that's really on you. I like that. <laughs> that is good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Jordan Belfort coming out and telling you how stupid you are for not understanding his financial wizardry, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think one of them had the narrator just said, I asked if we could get a counter in the corner of the number uh, to track the number of word or numerical puns that you wouldn't get, that you're not getting because you don't understand Japanese, but the director said no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, uh, one of my favorite things actually in anime is anime depictions of Americans. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. Because it's, it's because it's recognizable, but it is like the wonderful, surreal thing of seeing somebody else's stereotyped caricature of your own culture. Right. Well, like what's what, like, give me an example. Uh, okay, so for Yu-Gi-Oh, they have two American ones. One is kind of based on Richard Garrett, the uh, video game producer, and he's kind of the villain. He's the guy who made the card game thing. So he's more of the standard uh, white-haired, pale, pretty boy anime villain. Okay. That's fine. But there is a scene of him drinking, uh, like, in the whole... A sophisticated Bond villain thing with him drinking wine, but he's reading like a Looney Tunes comic book. Uh, the other one is a character called Bandit Keith, who wears a giant, who wears like a giant four inch by four inch long golden cross necklace, has John Claude Van Damme shades, and wears an American flag bandana at every opportunity. <laughs> okay, and is the most like, and is like. Just the absurd, jacked American bully character. All right. America. It's fantastic. Yeah. In America. <laughs> so, how, how, so, so basically, they see us as like uh, the, the the dude bros of the world. Is what you're yeah. Saying. That uh, the other yeah. ones actually yokai watch introduced a character uh, Jerry, who is an American uh, immigrant to Japan there and Jerry is very pleasant but he's but one he's uh la he's uh fat loud and ignorant like he somehow has the uh yokai watch that lets him see the spirits but he doesn't know how to use it and isn't interested in learning how to use it and just collects the yokai medals because he likes the error message sound the watch gives when <laughs> you put the medal in wrong <laughs> so he doesn't even use it to summon yokai like he's supposed to. I feel okay. out right now. Very cool. <laughs> I, I liked like, uh, I liked it in Rama. The... Oh, sorry. Oh, for, so for Jerry, and of course his partner is Tominyan, which is the American version of the cat yokai Jabanyan, because it's the Japanese pun on Tom and Jerry. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Um. But, like, the most infamous scene with Jer uh, Jerry getting a yokai medal is there's one yokai that's basically a living parfait, and rather than directly befriend it, he just goes up and starts eating it as everyone else <laughs> looks on in absolute horror, <laughs> oh, no. paralyzed by the dread of what's happening as the yokai is just screaming as it's devoured. Oh, no! That's horrible. Oh, but it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Monty Python sketch with the blamages from outer space. The yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I liked in uh, Ranma one half, uh, the school principal, I think, spent a year living abroad in Hawaii. And when he comes back, he speaks exclusively in like English exclamations like, oh, my God, holy shit. And eating hot dogs. I remember that. I remember that. He had a he wore a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses and a palm tree on his head the whole time. It's so the third yokai watch game half of it takes place in america because yeah. the main character moves to what is quite obviously texas but not but air quotes not texas and it has a bunch of things based on of yokai based on how japanese view americans and one of them is oh my burger <laughs> which is it, which is entirely like an excitable hamburger and based on the fact that apparently according to Japanese Americans say oh my god a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that like how French people say Zutala? Yes. Yes, it yes, it's the Amer it's how oh like the Japanese God. version of the American ones of like Sacre Bleu! Oh <laughs> And or, it even says it in, like, a Cartman voice, which is kind of <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, because that's what America is. America is just Texas, burgers, oh my god, and Eric Cartman. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's me. interesting. What, okay, one of my favorite stupid yokai, and there's a ton because the series doesn't take itself too serious, is uh, Pelamerican. Which is a Japanese yokai, but it's a pelican who is fascinated with American culture. And when it possesses uh, Japanese people, it makes them act stereotypically American. Oh, no. <laughs> and it is a, an anthropomorphic pelican with a giant cowboy hat wearing like an elfish suit in the American flag pattern. Oh, no. That's yeah, they like they like Elvis. Well, that that's interesting because uh, going back to Cowboy Bebop, like I was watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a space western outer space. It's really not. Uh, it's not much to do until they bring in a literal cowboy in one episode. It's really more of a film noir in outer space. Um, yeah. But it's kind of like that's just it because it's American in like. Uh, what's the word? American in stylistic in aesthetics, um, then it's therefore cowboy. <laughs> like that's that's just what it is. So and it's and, and it's true. You can often sort of interpret everything as a Western kind of, but uh, in American culture. But it's just interesting to me that just if they put cowboy on it, it's American. Is how they deal. And that's the that's the the view everyone else has of the U.S. Is that's that's the main thing. Just like in Japan, it's samurai and British. And, sorry? Or ninjas. Yeah, or in Russia, it's people in Cossack hats and doing a dance and, you know, doing the low dance. And, oh, there was and, that yeah. Tumblr post about how someone wanted to see, uh, like, a, a Japanese equivalent of the Netflix Daredevil where an office building is stormed <laughs> by a bunch of cowboys. Yeah, right. It would be, yeah, the equivalent of, of Netflix uh, having ninjas attack him. A modern-day office building in New York would be, like, if he went to an American corporation in Japan and there were, like, cowboys attacking them, basically. <laughs> what, I, what I love about the Marvel setting is that technically you could absolutely have that because at yeah. one time Kingpin's Enforcers was led by someone whose gimmick was that he's a cowboy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, actually, 
Yeah. So if there was a fight between the Hand and Kingpin, it would be Cowboys vs. Ninjas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you gotta love... And, and, yeah, there was the... the, um, the when when uh, the ads for... Uh, uh, for Oh, yeah, the Kingsman came out, the sequel, uh, because there's they're cowboy spies in that one. So <laughs> we're like, a close, not quite cowboy ninjas, but almost. <clears throat> oh, the other thing with Yokai watches, it has the American equivalent of uh there's Yokai based on lion dogs in Japan, and the American equivalent are raccoon spirits, which I kinda love. Yeah. Well, don't Japanese have their own raccoons? They have spirits? raccoon no. dogs, which are not actually raccoons. They are a species of canine. Really? The ten- yeah. What are they called? Tano- Tanookis? Yeah, tanuki. Tanuki. Tanukis. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. yeah. It's a case of oh, convergent so- evolution. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So they're not supposed to be raccoons, eh? Oh, I didn't know that. Nope. Huh. Okay, there you go. It doesn't make sense since there aren't any raccoons in Japan, as far as I know. No, but... it might be like an as in, an invasive species, but I don't know for certain. Well, there could be uh, like red pandas in Japan. I don't know where red pandas live usually. I assume China. China. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are Chinese. Yeah. Well, red pandas basically red pandas. are uh, Asian raccoons. Right. That was very my... cute. Yeah. Right. I can't remember. Did they decide if pandas were related to bears or not? Pandas are bears. They've they did it by genetic testing. Yeah, giant pandas are bears. Red pandas are closer to raccoons. There you go. Okay, they're actually not related at all, but they have the same kind of like mask marking. Right. Just as a coincidence. Yeah. So you see, anime really is neoliberal because it's a globalized (laughs) phenomenon. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's no, this, go no, with this, that. This is definitely the epitome of clickbait. This whole thread because he, it's the broadest, most sort of you know how can we tie even the vaguest sense of what I'm talking about together? But also just as you say, oh, it portrayed capitalism, so it's neoliberal. It's like it portrayed capitalism badly, obviously. Anyway. <clears throat> oh, by the way, one of the things he says right at the beginning. Um, is like, many have expressed skepticism of the idea that anime is neoliberal because alt-right trolls use anime avatars, or at least used to. But this is purely posturing. Rightists use the avatars ironically. Like, well, I don't really think they do. I think they just like anime a lot. And they're nerds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and also probably because of how there's so many animes, like moe anime in particular, that really caters to their interests. So... You know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, but I mean, as we've established, uh, they'll try to claim, like, literally anything. Uh, You know, as people said, you know, right-wing Star Trek fans, how does that even happen? You know, (laughs) like, it's it's never been aimed at them. I mean, maybe only in the Vegas sense in the the first show how it was aimed at, you know, it was a bit militaristic and so forth. Uh, But, you you know, you'd... And as I've said before, yeah, as, as I said before, I'm I'm always amazed that Gene Roddenberry was. I mean, he was literally in the Navy and then he was a cop in Los Angeles. So it's kind of amazing that Star Trek wow. wasn't freaking, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Mickey Spillane stuff for God's sake. He was actually a pretty liberal guy. I guess at some point he had a come to Marx moment. Uh, actually, he, not, did, not... he did apparently. 
Yeah. Like, you could actually see in early Star Trek is a lot more very pro-American, anti-Soviet. Yeah. 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 Like, wagon train to the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just, yeah, there's like, I mean, both the Klingons and the Romulans are essentially communists, as he, in the original show. Um, It's... It's much the idea of it being like post semi communist is very much read into by people later on. Um, it wasn't really in the show, like, they even refer to like money and transactional stuff early on. What happened is that it was off the air for a long time, and people read into, and there were other writers because Roddenberry wasn't necessarily the main driving force behind it after a certain point, uh, but especially DC Fontana and uh, and Gene Kuhn, the other Gene. Uh, they had a bit more of a left-wing viewpoint, perhaps, and they had read they had, they fed that into it. But then, interestingly, between that and Next Generation, uh, pe- people Roddenberry got so used to people claiming, "Oh, it's so great how you show this," you know, post-scarcity, high-left version of the future, and he kind of swallowed that whole, even though that probably wasn't his original intention. And then he just started espouting that as his viewpoint, and that was very much fed into next, into next generation but it was sense. kind of he, yeah the the show itself kind of altered his own philosophy which is always interesting to me when that happened uh-huh. but yeah but he was yeah if you look at the stuff because he was involved in the first half of season one that was the part that he was heavily involved in and there's stuff like the corbomite maneuver which is literally mutually assured destruction is good actually and uh-huh. you know we yeah like he's not like smash the commies he's like we should understand the commies but we so we can beat them you know? like that was his attitude basically um but you know he didn't want war he, he was very anti-racist that was definitely yeah. a big thing for him. Uh, but otherwise, the idea that it's like a communist future is actually, it's that's been heavily reinterpreted. And co- Gene Roddenberry just started going, okay, yeah, it's communist. Hey, he didn't. He never said it was communist, but he he bas- basically uh, he he accepted that without, you know, specifically saying it. Yeah. So anyway, rambling about Star Trek that has nothing to do with anime. Um, there should do be a Star Trek anime though, right? I mean, I'm surprised there isn't by now. <laughs> Isn't that Space Battleship Yamato? I haven't seen it. I don't know. Maybe. Do they go to other planets and then, like, talk to the computer god of that planet <laughs> and make it explode? Because if they do, then that is start. Well, actually, it's named after an Imperial Japanese battleship, so probably not. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's pretty loosely based on Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time. Well, I know a lot of anime is obsessed with, you know, destroying God. That's like a recurring theme <laughs> in a lot of anime, right? No? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Destroying God, becoming God, you know, right. it happens. <laughs> you destroy God, you become God, and then you destroy the system that creates God. Right. That was one that I watched. <laughs> yeah. That's my general. That seems to be a recurring. Ing was telling me about Dragon Ball Z. It seemed like that was kind of the thing that happened there. You basically. Surprisingly, I don't. Except for God of Destruction, at one thing, the gods have never been directly fought. Okay. Like the Fair gods enough. mostly are on the good side. Okay, interesting. I but mean, there for, is an anime where they destroy for the various God. entities that could be called God. Right, right. I mean, the one in particular I was talking about was actually a shoujo series for from Clamp, uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth, which uh, oh, yeah. it's like a regular person can become God. And then if that person doesn't do their job, they have to die. And then 
a new person becomes God. <laughs> is yeah. So for math checks out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta have a God. I mean, it's like necessary if you want to keep the world in control, I guess. If you want, don't want it collapsing, it's fine. You know? So it's basically the Santa Claus meets the Matrix, is what you're describing. Yeah! <laughs> oh, Phil says cowboy ninjas throw sheriff stars. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. I'm so delighted by that image. <laughs> That's cowboy. beautiful. Well, I think it's. Uh, I think we're probably done. My throat's getting a little sore, and yeah. Uh, yeah. we've this gotten over an hour and a half of very good stuff. So I want to thank uh, Cell and Philby for coming on the podcast. That was great. We My really pleasure. liked having you guys. That was well, that was a delight, and hopefully we can have you back again sometime. Um, anytime. Anytime. Okay. Cool. Well. Um, well. Uh, do you guys have anything you'd like to plug? By the way. Um. Uh, uh, I guess if you want to follow me on twitch if i ever start getting to streaming again i am uh sahir celine um i will just or actually it's sahir cell right now i can't fix that handle <laughs> okay Oops. um i'm at philby pot two t's one word on twitter uh-huh yeah that you don't have any projects or anything going on okay not currently now Fair enough. He's told me about a podcast that he has that I'm going to listen to, but it, that was uh, apparently a only did a few podcast. episodes. Nevertheless, yeah. <laughs> see, that's appealing to me because it means I don't have 50 episodes to go Ooh. through. I can just watch just into three. <laughs> I thought it turned out okay. Yeah, cool. I'll check it out. Um, and uh, Ing, of course, is doing. Uh, well, Ing, tell them Brand Echo. Uh, <clears throat> Brand Echo, the webcomic I'm doing with Charlotte Ariel Finn. It's really good. Yeah, which I then have to finish an update for tomorrow when I'm done with that. Yep. Having a lot of fun with it. Cool. Yes, it's a it's an insanely detailed webcomic. It's really cool. I you know uh, I'm always impressed that he does that on a weekly schedule. So um, <clears throat> check that out, and uh, you can always check out my stuff at uh, I'm on Comicsology under Phantasmic Tales with a PH, and you can follow me on Twitter at Prankster36, and I do links, and I also, as we mentioned, have another podcast called What Mad Universe. Uh, which is all available on uh, all the all the podcast apps, including iTunes and so on. Um, <clears throat> and you can check that out. But anyway, um, we're wrapping it up for the evening, so um, let's uh, all take a knee, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week, hopefully. Um, until then, see you, space cowboy. Uh, I was gonna say, see you, space cheesemonger. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Also, there. There's an anime about space cheesemongers, is what we've uh, conceived of. There should be. (laughs) I'm getting... Hold on, I have to copyright something. (laughs) (laughs) Blessed are the cheesemakers.